This is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Elizabeth Preston, episode 184, Take Ownership. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for barrier-breaking women who are ready to shed their good girl layers so they can own their power and live deeply fulfilling lives instead. I'm your host, Lindsay Elizabeth. I'm a leadership coach to women all over the world. And I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire. We must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me and my guests as we challenge you to shed society's bullshit systems and beliefs to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you were meant to be. As you listen, trust your intuition to take what you love and leave the rest. The thoughts and perspectives I share on the show are my own with the lens of my lived experience as a privileged, white, cis, straight, able-bodied woman. And while that informs my experience and perspectives, I wholeheartedly believe living a deeply fulfilling life is possible to every woman. If I ever say anything harmful, I'm open to doing better and hearing your feedback. My goal is for you to leave this show feeling empowered, inspired and ready to share this show with every woman you know so they too can create a life that lights them the fuck up from the inside. Are you ready to get started? Let's go. Dear beautiful soul, welcome to another episode of the show. You may think by this title, it's one that you don't quite understand. Take ownership. You're like, what does that even mean? It may not even resonate with you. So you think, oh, I'll just skip this one. Please don't. Applying this concept of taking ownership in your life will take your life fulfillment and your leadership to a whole new level in a huge way. Okay, I'm going to dig in today what taking ownership means, why this doesn't mean you just take fault for everything, what that looks like to navigate between the two, why it's really uncomfortable to take ownership, and then step by step of how to take ownership. Okay, so a good episode. Don't leave this one. I promise you it's so good. All right. So before I jump in, though, I always have to have a why. What inspired this episode? Why am I doing it? Well, I was recently in a situation where I was getting mentorship and coaching and feedback on something that someone else did. And of course, I was involved in that, right? And the advice I kept being given was they aren't taking ownership for what they did to you and you need to bring this to their attention. So it got me thinking a lot about this whole take ownership concept and this whole way of being in essence of what taking ownership means and how to do it and what it opens up for you by doing it because I realized I'm really good at taking ownership. Like this is something I've really mastered. So I want to teach you to master it too. So luckily, you know, we see a lot of people being called to take ownership right now in our culture and thank God we need it. We are in a day and age where systems are changing. In order for things to change, we need to bring attention to what's not working. You know, it's just like the gender gap, racial bias, 
certain professions are having these huge up levels and shifts. Well, well, not up levels yet, but huge like reckonings like teaching and nursing and so many other areas, right? So we have to like call out why are these things not working? And in that process of calling out or bringing attention to what's not working, we have to then say, okay, who's taking ownership for this? Who is going to be the one to help make the changes for these things to get better and different and to be more inclusive and diverse, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I luckily started this journey pretty early on in this whole cultural shift of people getting called out. A lot of people like to call this cancel culture even, which I'm gonna touch on in a bit, why it's not that, and I hate that term. But I got called into this in January 2021. I've mentioned it often on the show. I did a Trump post on my social media where it was right after the whole Capitol bullshit happened. Um, And I said, listen, you know, we've all watched Trump followers really, you know, get behind him. And we've kind of, you know, kept a tight lip about things. And we're at a moment now where it's like, see, like, here's what your guy created, right? Your Trump guy. And we want to be like, ha ha, look at you. You know, he's an idiot, whatever. And I said, you know, we should really keep our mouth shut and look to forgive and find forgiveness in them. And I still stand behind that message in a lot of ways. However, I wasn't quite thinking through everybody who is reading that message. I was thinking about mostly white women. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like, you know, ha ha, we kind of have a you know, laugh and we're annoyed and we may even be furious about it, but like, let's find forgiveness. And people of color came on that post and gave me a lot of lovely DMs. <laughs> lovely. Now, at the time, it was not lovely of like, hey, Lindsay, this is problematic. You are not considering how, in essence, people of color, especially black women, because I'm serving women, right? Black women are feeling about this. And at first I was a little defensive and I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 I I totally get it. And I wanted to blame them a little bit of like, oh, victim mindset, blah, blah, blah. But then I sat with it a couple of days and I said to myself, Lindsay, how are you in the wrong here? What is it you need to learn and grow from? And luckily I had just done enough reading and trainings on what we now call DEI work, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion work, or even anti-racism work to be like, oh shit, I'm tone policing. Oh shit, I didn't consider everybody's perspective in this. I just went back into, you know, as a white woman, the white woman's mindset for the most part, right? And so that's why I was like, oh my gosh, I need deeper work. Like I'm not catching my biases quick enough. And so then the rest is history. I hired Alyssa Hall to be my DEI coach. And we've spent the past almost two years doing that work. So I was really lucky and that it opened me up to seeing even more of the ways where I need self-awareness to grow. And what I gained most from doing that DEI work was to listen observe and to take ownership more okay and it's so wild because in our society right now we are calling on our corporations to do DEI work we are calling on schools to do in essence a form of this and people are freaking the fuck out they're freaking the fuck out And like how it's like, oh my gosh, we can't teach that in schools. We're going to make the white kids feel bad about things. And it's like, oh my goodness, right? 
And I will tell you, I don't know all the details of what would be in the curriculum of putting it in schools. And I can always, I always forget what the term is that they're calling it. But yeah, it's just like, no, 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 we're just trying to bring self-awareness here and have people listen and observe and take ownership of ways that maybe they're perpetuating you know, in essence, like white supremacy culture or the patriarchy or whatever you want to call it so that we can shift these things because we don't want these as a culture moving forward. Okay. But what happens is that when we're saying, hey, people, we want you to listen, observe and take ownership. What happens then is a lot of people get into victim mindset and they're like, oh, this is cancel culture. You're making me feel bad. How dare you? You just hate me because I'm white or I'm a man or, you know, I'm rich or whatever. Um, or you're the one in victim mindset when the reality is they're actually projecting that victim shit onto you. But that's another story for another day. So in essence, they're dodging, blaming and victimizing themselves versus actually sitting down and just doing a little bit of insight to seeing, hmm, how could this be true? How could I be contributing to the problem here, All right? We saw this happen in the self-help world, I guess maybe a year ago with Rachel Hollis. Rachel Hollis was pretty big at the time. She had had two really big New York Times bestselling books of Girl, Wash Your Face and Girl, Stop Apologizing. I must admit, I was never a Rachel Hollis fan. I really tried to get on the bandwagon of her because I'm like, man, this girl's blowing up. I had clients talking about her. Every social circle I was in was talking about her. Even people in my family were posting about her. And I'm like, damn, like she like knows how to communicate this shit to people. I read her book, Girl, Wash Your Face, and it I just didn't resonate with it. And honestly, in the book, when she talks about her then husband, Dave, and when they were dating, like she basically set boundaries with him. And the next day he came at her door and was like, Rachel, I'm a changed man. And I remember just putting the book down and being like, fuck you. <laughs> and I honestly thought I was like, okay, Lindsay, this is your own bias. Like, You've been burned too many times by men thinking they're going to change and they don't. And I still followed along because I was like, okay, Lindsay, this is your own shit. And then during the lockdown stuff of COVID in spring 2020, she posted something one day of like, you still need to make dates happen while we're in quarantine. And if you're not, then you're not trying hard enough. And I remember that just being the message a lot of times with her was like, wake up early and get this shit done. And if you're not, then you're not trying hard enough. And I'd be like, girl, like, stop. <laughs> you know, it's like, we can't just all do one recipe for success here. You're not taking into account how... Um, individualism comes into play and how people need different things and things of that sort. So when she posted that during COVID of like, still make time for your spouse. And I was in a season where I was in a pretty good mindset at that time, but I felt like I was drowning because I had my kids at home. I was running my business, pumping up my business and so many other things going on. And I was just like, fuck you, Rachel Hollis. And I unfollowed her. And then everything came out with her and her marriage. And then she posted this post one day and it was a video and it was something along the lines again of like that still that kind of energy and messaging of like, you know, work hard for whatever the fuck you want in life. And she's like, yeah, I have this woman. She comes to scrub my toilets and something. I don't remember the whole thing. And, and anyways, she got called out on that post or made aware of like, hey, Rachel, 
like what you're saying here is deeply problematic and here's why. And Rachel then has done some work. She's pulled away, but then she's been criticized too because in the way that she's come back, it's still being made apparent many times over that she's not really doing the work. She's not really listening and observing and really taking ownership for how she has problematic behavior, okay? So rant on Rachel Hollis there. If Rachel Hollis is your thing, great, awesome. You know, you do you as I always say, but just know in the personal development industry, this is why you see a lot of us not supporting her. Even, you know, bigger names have distanced themselves from her completely because a lot of us have done this work. We have taken the time to really dig deep and to see where it is we need to take ownership for things in ways that we've just been handed down. It's not like we want to walk around and be like, yeah, I can't wait to be problematic today. I can't wait to hurt people. No, but we've all been passed down these systems and these beliefs and these way of beings that now we're shaking everything up and being like, hey, let's do things a different way. And that requires you to look at yourself in a deep way. All right. So all that to say, You would be like, Lindsay, okay, let's just get to the basics here. What does it mean to take ownership? Okay, so let's break all this down. Let's talk about how to do it and all that. So what it means to take ownership, it means taking responsibility for the results in your life completely. Everything you create comes back to you. So this can be refreshing and it can be a little bit daunting, right? Because if we think of the good stuff that happens to you, and if you could see me, I'd have air quotes, good stuff, right? Because good is what you label it. Then if it comes back to you, you're like, great, awesome. Look at all these great results I have. It comes back to me, right? But then when you look at the results you don't have in your life and then seeing it comes back to you, you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Like I got some work to do, right? Now, let me just say this. If you're a spiritual person, You may be like, well, Lindsay, I need to give credit to my higher power for that. And yes, absolutely. It's it's a joint effort, right? But I believe that with my higher power that I call the universe, that I am a co-conspirator with it, meaning that the universe wants to give me all the blessings in the world. They want all my dreams to come true, but I have to be in alignment for those dreams. I have to be able to even see my dreams coming true and be available to make them happen. And so if something's not happening for me, I don't go back to the universe and be like, fuck you universe. I come back to me and say, what is it that I am doing to not be in alignment to make this thing happen, okay? And that's really an amazing way to look at the world because you get to always come back to you. And if you think about the locus of control, what do you have control over all of the time? You. You don't have control over anybody else or anything else. It all comes back to you, right? And so the more you just accept this as this is just truth, you only have control over you, the more you actually feel empowered, okay? For a lot of people, as I start to teach them this, though, they feel a massive wave of anxiety in that. So if that's you and realizing, holy shit, you're right, I don't have control over anybody else or anything else, I just have control over me, just realize that's okay. You just need some healing to do around that to ease that anxiety that you're feeling. 
But at the end of the day, that's the truth. Okay, you don't have control over anybody else but you. Now, do we have the ability to impact other things? Absolutely, right? Do we have impact, again, if we go back to your higher power and being able to receive blessings from your higher power? Absolutely, but that all comes back to you again, okay? So I'm just gonna say it one more time. What does taking ownership mean? It means taking responsibility for the results in your life completely, Everything you create comes back to you. And that is my own personal definition of what taking ownership means. Okay, I looked up many different definitions. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, this isn't it. Okay, so you get to define it for yourself, but that's what I'm, in essence, talking off of is my definition of it, okay? If you're a client of mine or if you've done personal development somewhere else, this comes back to the model, right? We talk about all the time how our thoughts generate our feelings, our feelings then generate our actions, our actions create our results. And so we know time and time again by using that tool and seeing it come to fruition over and over and over again is like, holy shit, Lindsay, you're right. It all comes back to my thoughts and that's why I do so much thought work, okay? So you may be asking yourself, well, if the results in my life are completely on me, Lindsay, and everything comes back to me, does this mean that nobody else is ever at fault? No way. Others are still absolutely at fault at times. However, when you're taking ownership, you have the mindset that you're continuously observing, learning, and growing from whatever is created in your life. Okay, I'm gonna give you a couple examples here so you can see this in, you know, real life, all right? Example one, I was not happy with my Facebook ad performance. This is around spring 2021. So I let my ads person go. You could say there, well, Lindsay, she didn't deliver. She messed up. Instead, I looked at what did I do for this, you know, in essence, Facebook ad cycle to not be successful? How can I make this better for the next go around of this? And I took action from there and I realized, okay, I'm not clear in this. I need to work on that. Now, looking back hindsight 2020, I wish I would have taken a step further and asked her for her feedback of what I could have done to make it more successful because she didn't give me that information and see what she would have said. And I wish too she would have asked me for my feedback on what I thought needed to be improved because again, I wasn't taking ownership for everything. It was a two-person agreement here, right? Or a partnership and us working together to have the Facebook ads be successful, which would bring in the amount of leads that I wanted, right? That then converted into clients. And so she didn't ask for my feedback either, right? So I'm not taking ownership for her actually delivering the ads. I knew that I had to give her what needed to be to get what I wanted, but also looking at what could she have guided me in to be able to get what she needed to get for it to be successful, right? And I do this all the time with clients too. If I have a client who I don't think is being successful either by my definition or what they've told me they've wanted from coaching, I will sit there and say, okay, Lindsay, what is on you here? What are you not doing to make them have the results that they want? Make them sounds really bad. (laughs) To help them generate the results that they want, right? And so I will sit there and I will analyze that and I will also analyze, okay, what is it that they need? And then I will 
coach and teach and guide them to show up in a different way, right? So you see how it's a two-party street there? I'm not taking responsibility for everything, but I'm also looking at where did they fall short or are falling short so that they can you know, step up to the plate as well. So I want to give you another example is when I was letting my Facebook ad person go in spring of 2021, I also had someone creating some social media content for me too that wasn't getting the traction that I wanted for the cost of what it costs to for her to make those things. And so I ended my contract with her. And when I did, she came to me immediately and said, Lindsay, what can I do to improve here? And that opened a huge door for the both of us to grow from and learn from in huge ways. And I can't get into all the details of it just because of the nature of our relationships and such. But trust me when I say it was huge, I will just say that our relationship today is one that I cherish and I respect her opinion so greatly in my life. And she would likely tell you that she does with me as well. Because we both sat there and we were looking at how can we take ownership here? How can we look at this in a different way? And that changed the progression of both of our lives. And to be honest with you too, she was one of the first people that I've had in my life that came to me and said, Lindsay, what can I do differently here? And her just owning that and being comfortable in that made me even more comfortable to do it in my world even more. Because like I said, you know, I was letting somebody else go, my Facebook ads person around this time, and I didn't go to her. She didn't come to me. But I I will say this person coming to me and being like, Lindsay, tell me how to improve and seeing the guts and courage that that took just changed so much for me and owning my own power. All right. So, okay. I hope you're taking all that in, right? Of how like taking ownership it doesn't mean we take ownership for everything. It means that we're looking at everything of, okay, how can I learn and how can I grow from this and just observing things, right? And I'll give you another example. And it's the one that inspired this episode. And I'm not going to go into the details of everything that happened out of respect for the other person who is growing and evolving. And I just don't think they need to be called out for where they're at because I know they're going to learn from this. However, as that experience happened with the two of us, I spent months looking at what I did for our relationship to change the way that it did. Months. And I saw very clearly from the start where I went wrong, but then overanalyzed the shit out of that to ensure that that was all that I saw because we all have blind spots, right? And I was going to all these different people that I respected and trusted of like, hey, here's what happened. Where did I go wrong? Hey, next person, here's what happened. Where did I go wrong? And with all of these trusted, what I'll call mentors in my life, they kept coming back to me and saying, Lindsay, you took ownership for what was on you and this is on them. And it was at that time now looking back, I wish I would have brought it to their attention right away when I realized what they needed to own because I effing knew it, but I just questioned the hell of it out of it once again because I was like, oh man, there's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something else that I need to take ownership from. But once I said my truth in those things to that person, they immediately saw their blind spots, were so appreciative that I showed them their blind spots and what they need to take ownership of. And they brought things to me too that were like, hey, I would really like for you to take ownership of this, this, and this. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. And in some cases, I was like, we're going to have to agree to disagree because I'm not 
I'm not seeing that in the way that you're seeing it. And so we're going to have to just move on from that. But I want to present that to you because, you know, taking ownership is uncomfortable and calling other people's attention to where they need to take ownership is uncomfortable. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Right. And this, again, requires so much more than you just what I'm going to present to you in a minute of making some mindset shifts with taking ownership because some of this goes back to nervous system regulation and healing trauma. If you're in a place where it's just like scary to you to even think about having a conversation where you're calling someone out or someone's calling you out, oh my goodness, then we really need to work together and to, in essence, heal you to where this stuff isn't as uncomfortable. This is especially hard for people who have Clifton strengths of things like Harmony High or if you're an Enneagram 9, okay? Because that's just part of you. And so you've got to learn to just get more comfortable with having these kinds of conversations because if you go through your life and you're not having these conversations, you're not going to grow and others aren't going to grow either, okay? Think about my Facebook ads person. You know, I did a little bit of work there. I don't know what kind of work she did, but had we had a more open conversation with one another of like, hey, here's where I'm taking ownership. What do you see where, you know, and vice versa, that could have transformed like it did with the other person who created social media content for me, okay? And what a missed opportunity that would have been had I not had that conversation with that other person. Okay, and what a missed opportunity for the person that inspired this episode, right? When I was finally able to say to that person, hey, here's what I believe you need to take ownership for. Here's what I'm taking ownership for. And she did that to me. It like put the whole thing to rest. And I was able to move on versus for months just like in this loop of analyze, 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 analyze. And I know you may be somebody who overanalyzes or overthinks. I work with a lot of women like that. And it's just like so time consuming and energy draining and creates so much more headache than what needs to happen. Because like I said, I wish I would have just called it out in the moment and been like, hey, are you going to take ownership for this? Or, and because a lot of times, you know, we think that people are wanting to be malicious and not wanting to take ownership because it's like, oh, they secretly, you know, have this ulterior motive or this ulterior plan. And I'm not saying that's not the case, but something that's really been kind of drilled into me by my DEI coach, Alyssa, is to assume that they just aren't aware. I had a client the other day too said, assume stupidity over malice. And I wrote it down and I have it on my computer now, my computer screen so I can see it all the time. Because for so long, so many of us think, oh, it's just because they want to hurt me. This person wants to go out and do these things and hurt me. Because let's face it, many of us have had people in our life where they have gone out and hurt us. They have caused malice. But even if I look at like the places where people have caused malice to me, so if I look at like my ex-husband and him living the double life and doing all that and different things from my childhood and, you know, other things of in other ways, if I were to look at it in a different way of like maybe it's just stupidity or what I've really made the mindset shift with my ex is, you know, a lot of times it'll be like, I just don't understand why is he doing that or why does he, you know, not take ownership for this? And I have to just take in Lindsay. He's a diagnosed narcissist. This is a mental illness. Take it in. He's not necessarily trying to create malice. He's mentally ill. 
and to just accept that as is and to move on, right? And so what's really helped me again is to see, okay, maybe there's just no malice in the world. Again, you don't have to think this. I always say, you know, take what you love, leave the rest. But I'm starting to really see maybe there is no malice. There's just people who need self-awareness and education and to be able to shift that. And I know that's a really big one to take on for some of you. Again, if you're not there, that's totally okay because I still am fighting that one a lot too of like, well, what about this? Or what about this? Or what about this? But I will say again, my DI coach, Alyssa Hall, has been the one that's really drilled this into me. And you would think, because a lot of people like to assume, oh, DEI coaching, we're just going to go blame everybody else. That's really not it at the core of it. The really great DEI teachers of the world are ones that are saying, no, people just need more education. They need more understanding. And it's our job as those that are aware is to continue to teach and continue to model and continue to, in essence, even love and care for these people because they just don't get it yet. Okay, so kind of went down a rabbit hole there. (laughs) I want to bring it back, though, to so why is it so hard and uncomfortable for us to take ownership? And why is it so hard for us to call out other people on their own? I said, you know, Harmony people, Enneagram 9, but this goes way beyond that. This is hard for probably everybody. And the reason why, it's perfectionism culture. It's if you're wrong, that means that you're bad that you failed and you're weak. I was just listening to a podcast the other day with Brene Brown and Adam Grant. I'll link it in the show notes because it's, oh, I've listened to it twice already. It's such a great conversation. It was on Adam's podcast. Um, But they were talking about toxic masculinity. And they were saying that our culture basically teaches men that they have to always be proving themselves over and over and over and over again. And if they show one moment of weakness, just one little one, it's like, oh, see, look at you. You're weak. You're bad. You're wrong. You've failed. And Brene was talking about, you know, she works with so many different corporations and such. And she was like, you know what I've found is that those men that have these more quote unquote like tough jobs, like the military, first responders, even professional athletes, they are so much more open to their feelings and to messing up in essence too. And she said, I really think it goes back to they have these professions where they're proving their manhood in essence in such big ways that if they come off crying, that it's like, damn, well, I just ran into a fire, people, or I just, you know, went to battle, or I just got beat on the football field by getting tackle after tackle after tackle. Of course, I'm big and strong and manly. So it's okay for me to cry, right? Versus men who are at our desk all day, they don't get that opportunity. And so I say all that to say is like, we are living in a patriarchy. We are in essence, especially here in the States, ruled by white males. That's just a stat, okay? That's just fact on paper. We are. All these corporations are run primarily by white males, right? And so that's gonna trickle down because if they're being conditioned to being perfect males and what we consider to be malehood or manhood, of course, that's going to trickle down to all of us to say, if we make a mistake, we're bad, failed, and we're weak. And really, that goes back to 
it being called a fixed mindset, right? Of like our performance determines how in essence good we are, right? And what we need to think is in a growth mindset way of I'm here to grow, baby. I will mess up, but that's part of me getting better, stronger, smarter, and then taking ownership is easy because it's seen as a good thing. Because when we take ownership, it's like, oh, look at look at him or her. See, they're getting better, stronger, and smarter. They're growing because we're in a growth mindset. That's what we're here to do. And so it's like accepted and it's celebrated. You know, I tell people all the time, especially my clients now, because as I've, again, done this work so deeply in the past two years, I will say to them, I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make a mistake. There's going to be a moment you come to me with something. I'm not going to get it right. Maybe I diminish your feeling. Maybe I coach you in a way you didn't like. Maybe I don't say what I need to say. Maybe I just flat out just fucking make a huge ass mistake and I don't see it. Come to me. Tell me. And here's the process to do that. Because it's going to happen. I'm here to grow. My goal is not to be fucking perfect. The years that I lived when I was trying to be fucking perfect was exhausting. And honestly, it was anxiety provoking. Because nobody is perfect. Nobody. And when you come at the world with, I'm here to grow, I'm here to learn, I'm here to get better... You make mistakes normal. You make it a part of the process. And honestly, it makes me feel bulletproof. It makes me go out into the world and again saying, hey, I'm going to mess up. I'm not perfect, but here's what I know. And I still think I'm pretty damn awesome in that. Then I don't fear like something hitting me, you know, in essence, like out of the blue. You know, I've talked about on other podcasts, I got sued this past year. And that was like a nightmare of mine at one point of like, oh my gosh, and I'm going to go to court and the judge is going to call out all the things that I did wrong and I really need to be able to see all these things. And of course, I saw the parts that I need to improve upon for sure, one of which would be not to take on a client like that again, because from the start, her nervous system was just needing more healing than what I could give her. But yeah, it's like, I don't even fear that anymore. And, and so I just go in of like, I'm not going to be perfect, but here's your responsibility in that. Your responsibility in that is to tell me. I even tell my kids, I tell my daughter, and I even ask her from time to time, what am I doing that I need to improve upon? And there was a time, and I'm going to tell you a super personal story, that I messed up really big, okay? It was 2019. I was just coming off from having my son. And I was getting back into my business slowly because I had taken about oh, a year and a half off to have him. And he was nursing directly from my body. He did not take any bottles. So just imagine that, a year of being, in essence, like an on-call milkmaid. <laughs> um, and so as I'm starting to get back into my business, I started to have some consults. And I remember one night, I think my husband was traveling And again, I'm still just like not fully healed. I'm still on demand with him and nursing and all that stuff. And my daughter says something or she goes into her room before one of my calls and she's really upset with me about something and she screams at the top of her lungs, I hate you. And between the stress of what I was already experiencing, knowing I needed to go jump on this consult call, I reacted and I slapped her and I said, you don't ever speak to me that way. 
And then I left the room and I got on my call. And of course, I knew immediately I made a mistake. And so the next day I came to her and I said, Isabella, I want to apologize to you. I laid my hands on you last night and that was not okay. And you should not accept that kind of behavior from anybody, especially from me. And I just want to let you know that I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen again. However, I also want you to take ownership that it's not okay for you to scream at the top of your lungs that you hate me just because I'm getting on a consult call. And so we talked through that and her feelings and all that stuff, right? But I took ownership in that moment. And I will tell you, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up definitely in a culture where I wasn't in power yet because I was a kid or say it was early on my work career. So I had bosses, obviously parents, teachers, even helping professionals, et cetera, who were not taking ownership when they made mistakes because our culture at the time was more in that fixed mindset, right? Of like, we all just have to pretend we're perfect and that's what makes us good and successful. And so shit was going down and people weren't fucking taking ownership from that. And then what happens? Then you start to internalize that. And it's like, is it me? What did I do? And that creates trauma. And that then creates more trauma from that trauma. And all of a sudden, you know, that's why all of us now make fun of the millennials and everybody else of like midlife crises and stuff. It's like, why do you think we're in therapy? Why do you think we're in coaching? (laughs) Because people didn't take ownership of it. And so... My hope in that moment with my daughter when I took ownership for that was that it didn't create a trauma for her. And we've even brought it up since then. We talk about it and um, we've been able to move through that, right? But if I hadn't have, and especially if I had gone to her and been like, yeah, this is on you, especially the talk that used to be back in the day, you little brat, you should be ashamed for what you did, la, 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 which I can't even ooh, like fathom talking to people that way. But what happens, right? Then they start to internalize that. So taking ownership is a really big thing, a really big thing. And it, it does take this balance of, okay, what do I take on for myself? What do I hand back to somebody else? But this is why having mentors and coaches, you know, helpers in your life, peers in your life, people that you trust, whatever you want to call it, to work through these kinds of things when they come up is so important because they help you navigate life and leadership and reach new levels. You know, this is why my clients love having me. This shit goes down, be it taking ownership for something, a mistake, or something way unrelated to what even we're talking about today. And they're like, oh, thank God I have Lindsay. I can go coach on this. And we get to talk through those things so that they can problem solve and move the fuck on, right? Okay, so... I want to say this too, how to take ownership. It starts with some mindset shifts around mistakes being safe. So you can say things like mistakes mean I'm learning and I'm getting better. It's safe to mess up. Others support me and love me even more when I mess up. You can even say to yourself, I know what's mine to take on and what's others to take on so that you're not taking on ownership for everything because there are some people out there raising my hand, I'm included in this, that have a strength called responsibility high. And even if you have a high inner critic, so if you criticize yourself a lot, it will be easy for you to take ownership really quickly. And that's not what we want here either. We don't wanna enable people. We don't wanna make everything our fault. So don't go in that direction. Again, it takes work to understand the balance between the two of this. And that's why having a mentor or guide or coach or whatever is really helpful. 
So start just really programming in your mind. What is it that I want to think about mistakes? What is it that I want to think about taking ownership so that I can do this more in my life? Because as you can see, it makes a huge impact. Huge, 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 huge impact. Okay. And I want to offer this to you too. You may be like, well, Lindsay, it must be really easy for you. I am an Enneagram five. I deeply fear being incompetent. I deeply fear it. Like that is one of my core fears is going and even if I'm on the stage or like I am right now, I have the mic for this podcast and someone saying, Lindsay, you missed this or Lindsay, you didn't consider this or Lindsay, you just got this completely wrong. That's a fear that I have, but I've done the work to program my mindset and to heal whatever I needed to heal in order to be able to say, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to know everything and that's okay. And so if I can do it as an Enneagram 5 and my fellow 5s out there, you can do it too. All the rest of y'all can do it. I'm telling you, you can. I'm telling you. All right. And I just want to reiterate one more time. It is so freeing when you live this way to say, I'm going to make mistakes and it's going to be okay because I don't fear really anything anymore. I don't fear it because I'm welcoming it. I welcome your feedback. I welcome you to do da-da-da-da-da. And I'll tell you too that, as I said, I say this with clients now from the very start. I always have, but I make it even more of a thing now that there's a process because it's not like I'm just opening myself to feedback all of the time in any mindset. Because if feedback hits you when you're kind of already down, like maybe you're tired, maybe it's the week you're on your period, Maybe you got other things going on and you just can't handle the bandwidth of looking at something on a deeper way. Have a process for it, okay? So like I have Rachel, my ops manager, she goes through emails that come into just our general hello email box and she puts them in a folder of feedback. And every so often that's when we'll go in and look at it. And it includes positive feedback too because I wanna be in a headspace where I'm just creating And I'm not necessarily creating for positive feedback per se, which is a whole nother topic. But again, when you're getting feedback, you know, set up a system to where you're not just like getting it when you're not ready for it, because you definitely want to be in the headspace for that. Um, And if you're in a space too, where you can do things like surveys to people to get feedback, like I have a client right now at work, she's doing this thing called a 360 feedback, I think it's what it's called, or 360 review. And so she's getting reviewed by people that are above her, people who are peers, people who are below her in her corporation. And so she's going to get this really great report of ways that she can improve. And she's already getting some coaching on that with me as we're talking through things. She's like, okay, Lindsay, this is going to be a lot. I'm like, yeah, and it's going to be great, baby. You're going to see so many ways in which you can get better. How amazing is that? Okay, the last thing I want to end on too, if you're at a space too where you're like, Lindsay, I just don't have the bandwidth to take this on right now. Maybe you're doing some other healing or maybe you're not doing healing and just the thought of doing this extra work in essence of taking ownership for things just feels like too much, then baby, you have got to go get some kind of healing in your life. Because I know I've definitely been through seasons where it's like, I'm just trying to survive the day. I can't take on anything else right now. I cannot grow in any other way. And if anybody else comes at me or gives me feedback, it's just going to just like, poof, be something that feels like I'm drowning in. Okay. So if you're in that season, go get help. Okay, go get help. 
because you can absolutely heal, you can absolutely get better to where your life doesn't feel like, oh my gosh, it's just so overwhelming. And it may not even be trauma. It may just be that you're pushing yourself so hard with the day-to-days of life, of work and kids or whatever you have going on that you just need to slow down and take self-care because again, you cannot come at this stuff from a place of exhaustion. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of clients right now with burnout. As you know, I've been healing from my own burnout. It's really hard to be able to improve your life when you're just trying to get out of bed every day. All right. So all that to say, go get the help you need. Hopefully I've inspired you to go take some ownership in your life. I hope I've like sold this to you enough that how great it feels to be on the other side of this. It really does feel great. And it creates really deep relationships with other people for them to know, hey, I can go talk to that person about anything. Such safety, such connection, such depth. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. That's all I got for you today, my friend. I hope you have some great takeaways and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning into the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast. If you haven't left a review for the show yet, what are you waiting for? Your reviews give us the feedback and momentum we need to continue to produce this incredible free content for you. Plus, when you leave a review for the show, you get a copy of my book for free. Simply take a picture of your review and submit it to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash one zero zero and you'll receive a digital copy of my wisdom from the first hundred episodes book this book is a study guide for life enjoy and of course share this show with your friends i believe every woman can create a deeply fulfilling life that lights them the fuck up from the inside the more you help others succeed the more you help yourself so share share, share this show. And I'll see you soon and your friends back on the show next week for another eye-opening episode. Until then, keep rocking it.